All right, I'm so glad you guys are here in church this weekend. I'm proud of you for seeking God. I know you got lots of choices of what to do with your life, and you made a great one today. You're seeking God, you're in his presence, and I hope you feel encouraged so far in our service. I do want to encourage you that every weekend between now and Christmas Eve, I'll be sharing different messages about the hope, the joy, the peace that we can find in Jesus. So whether you need those messages for yourself or maybe you know someone who needs that message, that's what we'll be focusing on from here all the way up to Christmas. Well, today I have to start with a confession as your pastor. I have to confess that I recently got my first speeding ticket in, Arizona, in uh, Indiana, where we live now. <laughs> yeah, I got my first speeding ticket in Indiana. It's kind of a funny story. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I was driving on the highway, and if you've ever been pulled over by the highway patrol, uh, the highway patrol officer was actually, I was in the fast lane, and he's sitting on the side with his car, and he's got his speed gun out. And I'm going 74 miles an hour, possibly in a 55, okay? And, and he makes eye contact with me at 74 miles an hour. And then he looks at his gun and he points at me. So much shame in that finger. He, <laughs> he points at me and he goes like this. Now there's a whole story to this, okay? I, I, it's, uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I do typically speed, but not usually that much. And, and here's what happened. I'm not going to name the name of my friend, but I had a friend who needed a ride to the airport. And this friend does this thing where, you know, they look at the flight time and they, they kind of forget about the 30 minutes early for boarding and the time it takes to check in luggage. And every time I take this friend to the airport, it stresses me out because I like to get there early and get through security and everything. This friend cuts it so close. And it had gotten to the point with this friend where I like put the bags in the back of the car and I'm like, we're going, get in the car. And I'm looking at the clock as we're driving. I'm like, they're going to miss their flight. So I had set my cruise at 74 when it was a 65. And then some of you know this place on the highway where it drops from a 65 to a 55 for no reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why they do this. Maybe just to increase revenue for, the, you know. It, there's no reason for it to drop to a 55, but it does. And I see that it drops and I think I should slow down to 64. But they're going to miss their flight. I keep going. And then the moment I told you, the gun the finger, the blag. And, and, I, and I, I had this moment when, when he pointed where I think, I'm going 74 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, what are the chances that he can run back to his car, merge into traffic at this speed, and catch up to me? But thankfully, my better sense prevailed, and I, I pull over to the side. My kids are in the back. And, uh, you know, officer comes up and you know that feeling when you, you see those lights in your mirror and you're just sitting there on the side of the road. For me, I always shake a little bit. Like my heart rate's up and I, I shake a little. I just have like, there's such like dread because I just know justice is not on my side right now. Like I know what the law says. I know what I did. I'm facing the law and it's this sense of total dread. And of course, he gives me my first ticket, no mercy. I explain that my friend's running late to the airport. He doesn't care, of course. And then as we're pulling away, my friend says, hey, 
you know like some police officers and police chiefs around here, right? Why didn't you drop some names? And I'm like, because I was clearly breaking the law, you know? <laughs> like, what good would it be to drag my friend's names through the mud when I was clearly in the wrong? How many of you can relate to that feeling of seeing those lights in the rearview mirror? Maybe it's because you've been pulled over for speeding, or maybe it's something else in your life where you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar, and you just know you're guilty, and you're facing your justice, and you know that feeling of dread in your stomach? I was thinking about this the other day. What's the feeling in my stomach going to be when I stand before God at the end of my life? What do you think the feeling in your stomach will be when you stand before God at the end of your life? You know, sometimes I wonder if I could ever really be faultless before God. Could I ever stand before God and be faultless? And I think if we're honest, we all wonder this inside. We might not say it out loud. And I think when we have feelings that we're not good enough or we're not measuring up, a lot of times we cover them up with eating more food or staying more busy or drinking something or doing something or distracting ourselves with entertainment. But if we slow down and think about it, this is a question that I know even my atheist friends wonder about. Because I know what it is to not believe in God, but still wonder what if he does exist and then I do face him, what'll it be like? I also know people who've been in church for decades, who've gone on mission trips and have had great moments, powerful moments with God, but there are secret hidden things that are shameful or there are things in our past that we can't forget, things we've done, things we've said, things we've thought, things that we've hidden, and we wonder, how could I, even though I've believed in God and I know he says all these promises, but how could I ever be faultless before God? Anyone else ever wonder that? Here's what I wanna know and what we're gonna ask today. Can you know with certainty that you stand before God without a single fault? Can you know with certainty, not I hope so, I think so, I'm pretty sure, but can you know I am certain that I stand before God and it's not that I was just going two miles an hour over, but that I stand before him and I know there's no faults on my record. Is it possible? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we all know we've made mistakes, we've done wrong things, we've thought wrong things, we've been parts of wrong things. And so is this even possible to know with certainty that you stand before God without a single fault? Well, thankfully God knew that all humans would wrestle with this feeling and with this tension. And so he answers this question in the Bible, in the book of Colossians chapter one. And the passage starts this way in verse 15. It says this, that Christ, that's Jesus. Christ, by the way, is not Jesus' last name. I used to think that, like Jesus Christ. But it's okay if you didn't know that before. I didn't know that for a long time. Christ is like a title. It means Messiah. It means Savior of the world. It means God with us. So Jesus is the Christ. Christ Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So the one God who created everything is Jesus. He's our, he's our human representation of him. And he existed before anything. And everything was created by him and he's supreme over all creation. Verse 16 says this, for through Christ, God created everything, everything in the heavenly realms and everything on earth. 
Jesus made the things that we can see and touch. He also made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. So everything in the physical world that you know was made by Christ. Everything out in the galaxies beyond what we can see was made by him. And everything in the unseen dimension of angels and demons and all that stuff, he made it all. He created it all. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed, verse 17 says, before anything else. And he holds all creation together. That's why we called this series Holding It Together. Because when our lives feel like they're falling apart, the God who holds atoms and molecules together, who holds solar systems together, he can hold us together. Now, if we skip down to verse 20, God's going to answer our question, can you stand before him with certainty that you don't have a single flaw or fault? Here's what God says, that through Christ, he has made peace with everything in heaven and everything on earth. How? by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's when Jesus was crucified. This reconciliation of peace between heaven and earth, look at this, this includes you. This includes you. You who were once far away from God. And that's why when we think about facing God, sometimes our stomach does have a similar feeling to being pulled over because we know there's a part of our story that is far from God. But now look at this good news Verse 21 says this, you were his enemies. We're all born into a world that's been corrupted by sin. And so we're born into a territory that is at odds with God. And we were separated from him. Not only because of what we've been born into, but also because of our choices by our own evil thoughts and actions. If we're honest, all of us have done at least one thing that separated us from God. That's the bad news yet now. Yet now, there's a difference in Christ. Yet now, God has reconciled you or reconnected you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Verse 22 says that as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, God has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So God's answer to our question, can you know that you stand before God without a single fault? His answer is yes. But now we have to ask this, how do you know that this verse has your name on it? How do you know that this verse applies to you? And God's gonna answer that question in the very next verse, 23 says this, that it's all about belief. It's all about you choosing to believe in Jesus. It says you must continue to believe that Jesus is God and died on the cross for you. And stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard this good news. It's all about believing in Jesus. So how can you know for you that you stand before God without a single fault? Here's the answer. Christ has done the work, but I must choose to believe. Christ has done the work to Wipe the faults off your record to forgive the mistakes. He's done that work, but only you can choose, do you believe that for yourself? A spouse can't believe it for you. A parent can't believe it for you. 
If you were taught it as a kid, that's great, but you've got to choose for yourself as an adult. Is this what I believe? Does this define my soul? Is this my relationship with God? I don't know where you're at as an individual on this. Maybe you're here today and you've believed. And so for you today, you're continuing to believe and you're taking the hands of faith and you're grabbing onto that faith. You're gripping it. Maybe you're here and that part of the verse that said, to not drift away, maybe that applies to you, that there was a time in your life when you believed, but you've drifted away from that assurance. And today is a day where you have the opportunity, God's calling out to you and you can say, yes, that's me, I do believe, I return to that. Maybe you're here and you've never had that defining moment in your life. Maybe you're here and you've never had a defining moment where you said, you know what, for me, I believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Here's what I know, wherever you are, wherever you've been, whatever your past is, God is reaching out to you today. You might think you're here because someone dragged you here or you're here by accident or you're here because you made a random choice, but God planned it for you to be here because he's reaching out to you today. He's reaching out to you in love. He wants you to receive his free gift of salvation. And think about this, if there is a God, if Jesus is God, if all of this is true, if there's an eternity that is infinitely longer than this life, then this decision is the most important decision, not only of your life, but also of your eternity. Have you chosen to believe? Well, I want to share with you 10 things that happen the moment you believe in Christ. And let's see, a quick raise of hands here. Anyone remember the David Letterman Late Show? Late Show with David Letterman. I just went off air a couple years ago. So when I was a journalist working in New York City, I got to go to the live filming of that a couple times at the CBS Theater there in Manhattan. It was kind of a, kind of a fun experience. And David Letterman did this thing, the top 10, where he'd count down. So we're going to do this in David Letterman style today, okay? The top 10 are coming from the book of Colossians, but we're going to count them down from 10 to 1. 10 things happen the moment you place your faith in Christ. Number 10, you're rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And number nine, you're transferred into the kingdom of Christ. Interesting thing in the word of God, he says over and over that there are only two kingdoms and this is countercultural because we live at a time of pluralism where many people say, oh, there's thousands of paths. It doesn't matter what you believe. Everything is good in the end. But God actually doesn't say that. He says there's just two ways. Jesus talked over and over about two alternatives. You've got a choice. He said there's a narrow road that leads to life and few find it. He and, and Jesus said the only way to that road is through him. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus said there's a paved eight-lane superhighway where people are speeding toward destruction, a wide road that many people are on. And all the other beliefs other than Jesus, according to him, are on that road. There's just two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom and there's the kingdom of darkness, which is what we're born into because of what Satan and other humans have chosen before us. And so God says this, how do you get out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light? How do you be transferred into Christ's kingdom? The other day I was driving Evie, my daughter, home from preschool, and I looked out the window and I saw one of my favorite sights. I saw a car stuck in the ditch. 
Now, those of you who've been here for a while are laughing because you know I have this sick, twisted thing where I carry a tow rope in the back of my truck. And I just love pulling people out of the ditch. I don't know what it is about me. It's just a blast. I love it. I, I'm, I'm ready at all times to pull people out of the ditch. Now, typically, pulling people out of the ditch towing season starts when it gets really icy and snowy. But on this particular day, as you can see, there was no snow. And so what a delight to find someone <laughs> stuck in the ditch on a non-snowy day. As you can see, there's a work van. They had backed it up for work. And what happened was it was kind of muddy in this ditch and it was uphill and the tires didn't have a lot of tread and they just couldn't, the tires were just spinning in the mud. And, uh, you know, as you know, if you have a two-wheel drive, once your tires start spinning, it turns to one-wheel drive unless you have a locking differential. But we're not going there today. We're not going to get into automotive technicalities. I'm going to stick to the point here. So, okay. So I see this. Evie's in the back seat. I pull the car over, I hop out, and I meet this guy, Alejandro. Here's Alejandro holding the tow rope that I gave him, the yellow tow rope. This is after we had pulled him out. And I, I explained to him, hey, you know, I, I can pull you guys out if you want. And we talk about it a little, and, and he agrees. And I explain to him how to hook the rope up and what to do. And he follows my instructions. And, and before you know it, we're, we're up here on the side of the road, and he's back on the pavement. Now, here's the thing. Alejandro, he was a good guy, and he had four or five other guys with him who they were all trying to push this van out. They're all good. They're all doing their best, but their best wasn't enough. They needed a stronger force, and here's the thing. Alejandro was willing to accept my offer because, you see, my old truck with its 290,000 miles, it was willing to do the work. It was eager. It was begging me. It was like, put me in four low. Put me in four low, okay? <laughs> My truck was willing to do the work, but Alejandro had to believe that it would work, and he had to accept my offer. I mean, think about this for a moment. You know, Alejandro and his buddies, uh, they're hardworking guys. I jump out of my truck. I'm in dress clothes. I've got a preschooler in the back, and I'm like, I can tow you out. This weird white guy in dress clothes is like, I can help you. I mean, think about it. He could have been like, eh, you don't look qualified for this. That would have been legitimate. I don't think you're licensed, bonded, insured, or in any way qualified to do this. And by the way, we're on a work scene. So if you, you know, mess something up, if you pull my van into a utility pole and knock it over, I mean, I could get sued. I could get in a lot of trouble. Thanks for the offer, but go on your way. By the way, I've had that happen before with people where, where I offer to pull them out and they say, yeah, it's okay. Someone else is on the way. You look like a creeper. You know, that, that happens. <laughs> that, that happens sometimes. So here's the thing, Alejandro could have said that, and what would I have done? I would have been like, all right, man, you know, offer stands, but I would have gone on my way. And, and God, in a similar way, he's done the work on the cross. He doesn't force it on you. He says, here's how you believe, here's how you receive my work. And so with Alejandro, what that was, was I said, here's the tow rope. Don't hook it onto the bumper or I'll just pull the bumper off. You gotta crawl under, look for this part of the suspension, wrap it around that. And then there was this big utility pole that the van was leaning toward and there was a creek and it was a little bit technical so I had to say, you know, turn the wheels this way, put it in drive, give it a little gas, but not a lot of gas. He followed my instructions and before we knew it, he's back on the road because he chose to trust me. Scary thought, but he chose to trust me. In the same way, Christ does the work to transfer you into God's kingdom, but only you can choose. 
do you believe? Will you do the simple things that he says? The moment you do believe, two things happen for you. Number eight, your freedom is purchased. And number seven, your sins are forgiven. The moment you believe in Jesus, your freedom, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from regret, freedom from addiction, freedom from sinful things that you wanted to stop doing but you couldn't stop doing, it's now possible. Uh, maybe you've had this happen to you where you're shopping and this typically happens at like a department store, TJ Maxx, that kind of store. You're walking out with your bags, you go through the little security device and the alarms go off. And if you're, if you're not shoplifting, you have an emotion, but it's not the same emotion as getting pulled over on the freeway like I did. You have an emotion because the alarm goes off, that little security tag is on one of your pieces of clothes and the cashier forgot to take it off and the alarm goes off, but you, your stomach doesn't sink because you know that you purchased it and you've got the receipt to show it. And so, yeah, it's gonna be a little inconvenience. You have to go over to customer service. They take the little security thing off and then you're on your way. And so you have a little bit of emotion when those alarms go off, but it's not the emotion that a shoplifter would have when the alarms go off. Now, here's the thing. As we follow Christ, we still sin, we still mess up. And there's times when we think about mistakes we've made in the past. And did you know that the enemy of your soul, Satan, he's called the accuser of your soul. And he whispers in your ear, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. God wouldn't possibly forgive that. And those alarms go off. And here's the thing, if you've trusted in Christ, then when those alarms go off, all you gotta do is pull out your receipt. And you say, my freedom has already been purchased. Because your freedom from sin and your forgiveness for sin, it's not a lease that you have to pay monthly to or God has to pay monthly to, it's a purchase. And once something is purchased, it's purchased, past tense. And you show the receipt and you say, my freedom is complete. Because the receipt for your forgiveness of your sins is written in blood. And it says on it, it is finished. It says on it, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8. And so when Satan whispers in your ear, you're still guilty, you're not worthy, you need to hide, you need to live in shame, you can, instead of just burying that and and stuffing it away and distracting yourself, you can face it and you can pull out the receipt and say, no, that's been paid for. That's been paid for. Your freedom is purchased. Your sins are forgiven. And for those who've not yet believed, today you can experience that. For those of us who have believed, today is about affirming, claiming the finality of your forgiveness in Christ. He came to set the captives free. The moment you believe in him, three more things happen. Number six, you are guaranteed to rise from the dead and live eternally. Closer we get to the end of life, the more real this becomes. That we realize just like Albert Einstein and all the people who went before us, no matter how gifted we are, how hard we work, these bodies will wear out. And when you know Christ, you know that this body is not your ultimate home. You know that you will be raised into a new body that will never experience pain, that will never experience emotional rejection or divorce or suffering or cancer or war or loss. Number five, you're reconciled. You're made right with God. 
Notice how it's past tense. It is done. It's now just a matter of living up to it and understanding who you are. Number four, you're brought into God's presence or into his family, into his house. Verse 22 says this, God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And it's as a result of what Christ did on the cross that you are holy. If you've received that gift, it's not that someday you'll be holy when you're in heaven. You are holy today. God sees you through a lens, if you will, of Christ's work on the cross. And that lens washes away your sins. That lens takes all your flaws and wipes them away. And that is today, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, how God sees you. So do we still mess up as believers? Do we still sin? Yes, I do. But here's the thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins, past, present, and future. And when we mess up, it's actually already paid for. And that doesn't give us license to just, we'll go out and sin whatever. It's if we understand the cost of that, we get to now live up to that. Who you are, you're no longer a slave to that thing. You're no longer a slave to that addiction. You're no longer a slave to that shame or that guilt. You've been set free. You are holy because of Christ. And now what we get to do is when we wake up in the morning and when we lay our head on the pillow at night, we get to one layer at a time, one day at a time, understand that a little bit more. I am holy because of Christ. You are holy today if you've placed your faith in him because of what he did on the cross and blameless. Holy and blameless you know, that word holy is a bit of a church word. What does it mean? Well, number three, it means that you are made spiritually flawless. Spiritually flawless. It means that you're found blameless in God's reality, which is the true reality and the eternal reality. So when God looks at you, it's not that you are two miles an hour over. Now he says, well, you know, I can let you buy because you were only going four over. No, it's, it's, it's that you're completely without sin. You're completely without error. Why? Because when you place your faith in Christ, he separates our mistakes from us as far as the east is from the west. He buries them in what he calls the sea, the ocean of forgetfulness. He forgets our mistakes because of what Christ did for us. You may remember part of the Bible we read today said you were separated from God by your evil thoughts and actions. And then it said, yet now. And that yet now is that moment of belief. Yet now in Christ, you are made clean. This word holiness, it's a word that God uses to describe himself as spiritually pure without any flaws. And I've had a picture of this running around my house the last few days on four little legs Many of you know my daughter Zoe's been wanting to get a dog for a long time. And with my wife, I've been saying, let's just wait until the spring because we don't want to do potty training in the winter. Well, last week I went out of town for a few days to visit with some other pastors who are pastors of churches this size. And I got home to find out that I had been replaced. <laughs> I've been replaced by Penny, who is part lab, part poodle. And I see why Mel picked her. She's got an amazing disposition. She's a really sweet, really submissive, obedient dog. Here's a picture of Zoe holding Penny like a baby. And uh, Penny lets the kids walk around like this. You can see Evie's having a blast there 
as well. And you know what? Penny's just an amazing, amazing puppy. We've had all these cute little moments already. Yesterday morning, I got to sit on the couch with the kids and with Penny. And there's this old movie about a dog named Beethoven, a St. Bernard. And there's a Christmas version of it, Beethoven Saves Christmas. It's a little corny and cute. And I got to sit there with the kids and watch Beethoven Saves Christmas with Penny. And everything's just so great with Penny, except for one thing. Penny poops. <laughs> yeah, Penny poops. <laughs> On my white, take your shoes off, please, clean carpet. Penny poops. <laughs> and it's been for me uh, a picture of contamination versus holiness, okay? <laughs> the other day, one of my friends asked me, he said, John, if God is loving, won't he just let all people into heaven? And I said, well, as always, we look into God's word to answer that. And here's what God said in, says in his word. He says, God desires for all people to come to salvation. So you're right, God's heart is that all people would be in heaven. But here's the thing about heaven. You're not gonna step on poop in heaven. <laughs> it's, it's pure, it's uncontaminated. And so how can we, since all of us have some contamination, whether you call it sin, mistakes, regrets, shame, guilt, whatever you wanna call it, we've all got some of it on us, right? How could we go into God's house, which is perfectly pure and without flaws? I mean, think about it. If God lets in one person who still has sin in them, then the infection spreads, and now there's lying, and now there's abuse. And pretty soon, just like when sin entered the world, there's murder, and it just starts to spread and take over. So God has this perfect existence where because there's no sin, because there's no contamination, that's why there's no pain. That's why there's eternal life. So how can that perfect God who's uncontaminated holy bring in people who are contaminated? And the answer is that somehow we have to be cleansed, we have to be washed in the spiritual realm of those contaminations. And that's what happens the moment that you place your faith in Christ. Look again at verse 22. It says this, God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. So when Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross, one, it's not a myth, it's a historically documented event that non-Christian ancient historians write about. But much more than that, what happened in that moment was more than the physical. In the supernatural, in the spiritual realm, your creator took upon him the punishment, the cleansing, the consequences for every one of my mistakes and every one of yours. And here's why he did it. He said, I would rather suffer agony to bring you into my house than spend eternity in heaven without you. That's how much he loves you. He says, I would rather, I would rather take the consequences for all your mistakes so that you can be with me. And that's what he did at the cross. And so now the question is, have you received that? Like my friend Alejandro, have you taken the tow rope and said, okay, you can pull me out of the muck. You can set me up on solid ground. You can transfer me out of the kingdom of darkness, bring me into your kingdom of light. And the moment you believe that, you stand before him without a single fault. 
That's number one of these 10 things. You stand before God without a single fault. You stand before God without a single fault. I want you to imagine yourself right now. You might even close your eyes. Imagine yourself standing before God. And if you really put yourself mentally, there might be a few things that pop up in your mind even now that make your stomach sink like my stomach sank when I saw that highway patrol officer. If you've believed in Jesus, you can believe in him right now. Those faults get washed away. You stand before God without a single fault. How do you know for sure that that applies to you? You can open your eyes back up. And as a believer, how do you saturate that into your identity? Very simply, verse 23 says that it's about belief. For some, today you're believing for the first time. For others, today you're continuing to believe. And what you're doing is you're letting that wash over another layer of your identity. You're letting the forgiveness, God already sees you as forgiven, but you're learning like me one day at a time to see yourself as forgiven. You're continuing to believe. Some of you, you had drifted away from that assurance and God brought you here today so that you have the choice to grab the tow rope again and say, yes, I, I want your way in my life. You know, I have a, another story of being pulled over by a police officer. This is when I was in my early 20s, and some of you know I had this difficult job as a journalist where I had to drive a different brand new car every week. It, it was a hard job especially when it was like BMW week or Mercedes week, because I, I would write columns, auto reviews about the car. So they'd bring it to my house with a full tank of gas. I'd drive it for a week and then drive another one. Um, and Audis always got me in trouble. And, and there was a week where I had a 400 horsepower V8 Audi with a six-speed manual transmission. And it happened to be my birthday. I may have ordered it up for that week. And my best friend flew into town and we were out just having a good time. So I turned the traction control off. And, uh, you know, if you've driven a manual, second gear coming out of a turn is just so much fun because you can just kind of swing the rear end out. And I was being careful. I wasn't hurting anyone, but I was definitely breaking some laws, okay? And I was fishtailing around a turn when I saw those lights in the mirror. And my heart started to race and my hands started to shake when I pulled over because I knew he could, he could cuff me for reckless driving if he wanted to. Now, there were no other cars around. I wasn't going to hurt anyone, but... If this officer wanted to cuff me for reckless driving, he could. And, and I got what maybe you, hopefully you've never experienced. I call it the full treatment. I've only had it once in my life. It's when you're pulled over and the officer just sits there for a long time and he waits for about four other cars to come. And two park in front of you so you can't go forward. And another one parks behind. And then two motorcycle officers come. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to see the inside of a jail cell on this particular birthday of mine. Officer comes to the window. He, he thought I was, like, impaired. And uh, he's like, what are you drinking? I'm like, Mountain Dew. Please smell it and verify. I'm happy to do any sobriety tests. I drive these cars for a living, and I was, you know, just having some fun. There's no people around here, but I know I was breaking the law. I'm really sorry. He goes back to his car, sits there for what seems like eternity. And all the other cars are still there. So I'm like, oh, great. What is going to happen here? Finally, he comes back up, taps on my window again, hands me my driver's license, and he says, have a nice birthday. <laughs> I was completely guilty. 
and he completely overlooked it. Now, here's the thing. What's going to happen at the end of your life when God taps on the window of your life? And you roll down the window, and it's God. You know what he wants to say to you? Have a nice eternity. Come on into my home. Your sins have been paid for. Your record is spotless. Not because of what you did, but because there was a moment when you believed and received my free gift of salvation through what Christ did on the cross. It's a choice that only you can decide to make for yourself, and I want to help you make that choice, solidify that choice today. One choice transfers you into this reality. Have you made it? Are you believing today? You can leave your past in the past. You can genuinely believe today and all those 10 benefits we looked at and so much more happen the moment of belief. So if you'd close your eyes with me, I just want to walk you through a moment in your heart and with your eyes closed, I just want you to imagine you and God, your creator loves you. Your creator longs to have you in his family. Your heavenly father desires that you would be with him for all of eternity. That's why he made you. You're no accident. He desires to be in relationship with you. He wants to bring you into a home with pure white carpets where there's joy, where there's pleasure, where there's warm relationship, where there's feasting, where there's eternal life. Jesus said very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as you picture this God who loves you, and as you know the speeding violations in your life that wouldn't belong in his house, right now, you can receive the free gift of salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, and if you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. God tells us elsewhere, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, belief is not about a magic password. It's about an action in your heart. And if you want to make that action in your heart, I'm going to give you some words. These words in themselves are not magical. But if you pray these words to God saying, this is what I believe then you'll know you're transferred from darkness to light. You're adopted into the family of God. And if that's what you want to do today, for the first time or recommitting, you can just very simply pray to God right there in your seat, in your heart, and just say, God, I believe you love me. God, I know I've made mistakes. You know what they are. And Jesus, I believe that you are God. And I don't understand it all, but I believe you died on the cross for me. And Lord, I accept your free gift of salvation. Would you wash my sins away? Would you adopt me into your family? Would you give me a new identity? Lord, would you help me walk in this new way of life as a son or a daughter of God, holy and purified? 